Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I wanted to take just a one-week break from our study of the Gospel of John to study something that is good for us to be reminded of from time to time. We need to be reminded that the church is who we are and not only what we come to do on Sunday morning. Certainly, a lot of it is wrapped up in that, but there is this idea in the Scriptures that the church is a living organism. It's not a building. Now, I know that we call the building the church. Um, I try to refer to it as the church building because really the people inside the building where we meet are the church. Um, There may come a day where we're unable to meet in a building like this, where we meet um, in different ways and we would still be the church. Ministry, we need to remember, is not about programs but about people. Programs are a means by which we minister to people. And we need to be reminded that uh, we should be focused on loving God and obeying Him and loving others and serving them, especially as it concerns the local body of Christ. So this morning we're going to look at this just as a, a one-week break, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27, and uh, study this together this morning. So if you're able to, would you please stand? I'm going to read just the first couple of verses here, a few verses of 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12, and we'll study uh, to verse 27 together this morning. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul writes, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. You may be seated. That is the New Testament reading this morning. Maybe as a blessing to you as you've heard it read aloud. Would you join me in prayer once again before we study this text together? Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy to us, evidenced this morning by this gathering of this local assembly. Lord, many of us covenant members with one another, many of us seeking to serve one another. Lord, being blessed by being served by the body, and yet, Lord, realizing that we never arrive, we're still growing in this area. And we need to be instructed in it from time to time. So we pray that your Holy Spirit would attend to this time in your word, that he would open our eyes and our hearts to an understanding and an application of these truths. Lord, I pray that you would humble me, hide me behind the cross and the empty tomb. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alex Honnold holds the record for the highest free solo climb when on June Third, 2017, he climbed the 3,000-foot face of El Capitan. Do you know what free solo means? It means without a rope. Without any equipment other than a chalk bag and his bare hands and his shorn feet. How did he prepare for this? According to a 
National Geographic article by Matt Sinat, there are a few answers to this. Number one, he had been rock climbing for 20 years. He has experience. He's done this for a long time. Quoting directly from Sinat's article, it says he is obsessive about his training, which includes hour-long sessions every other day, hanging by his fingertips and doing one- and two-armed pull-ups on a specially made apparatus that he has bolted into the doorway of his van. He also spends hours perfecting, rehearsing, and memorizing exact sequences of hand and foot placements for every key pitch. He is an inveterate note-taker, logging his workouts and evaluating his performance on every climb in a detailed journey. Thirdly, By this, he has established muscle memory for this exact climb. And it involves all of his body. Quoting from this article again, Freerider, that's the name of the route that he took up the the face of El Capitan, it's called Freerider, tests nearly every aspect of a climber's physical abilities. Strength of fingers, forearms, toes, and abdomen, as well as flexibility and endurance. Environmental factors like sun, wind, and the potential for sudden rainstorms are also a factor that Honold had to carefully calculate, also from the article there. Well, what would be our assessment of such a body as Alex Honold's? All of his body is in tune and is working together for this great feat. Every part is essential for the task. The way in which the body is structured and trained makes this seemingly impossible climb possible. I'm thankful that the scriptures address this idea of the body of Christ in such a way. It addresses the body of Christ as put together as God has put it together so that it can do the seemingly impossible. Every inch, every fiber, every inward or outward part of the body is important for it to function for Alex Honnold on this death-defying climb. You understand? One misstep, uh, one false move, and he is as good as dead. 3,000 feet. By the way, I'm scared to death of heights. You will never catch me doing any of this. But we understand from the scriptures, that this is how the body of Christ functions. There is, there is not an unimportant part of the body of Christ. There is no part that God says is not necessary for the structure and for the life of the church. The Bible uses the metaphor of the body to help illustrate that our life as the body of Christ should look like something. It helps me understand, it helps me get a picture of how we as a local assembly ought to function. And it is not by strength alone, but it is because the body, the body of Christ, is attached to the head, which is Christ. If we were not attached to Christ through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, united to him in all that that means, as Sinclair Ferguson says, We get all of Christ, the whole of Christ, 
The body would not be able to function. But as it is, if we are in Christ, we are attached to the head. And God has a purpose for each one of us. Now, in this passage, we have to understand a two-pronged understanding of the body. There is, yes, the body universal. Absolutely. When we talk, see here in the passage about being baptized into the body of Christ, we're, we're speaking, in a sense, of being baptized in that universal body. And yet... Paul is writing this to a local assembly. And the only experience that we have truly with the body of Christ on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year basis is a local assembly. It is that we are in covenant membership with one another. And I believe that as God has structured the fabric of this local assembly, we ought to exercise our spiritual ministries to the fullest so that we can receive the benefit of that. And that leads to the main point here this morning. It's written on the back of your bulletin. You can see it written there. If you are not plugged into the life of the local church, you are missing out on being served by others, and they are missing out on being served by you. And there's lots of ways that we can uh, talk about this. We use the word service here. Ministry. You guys know if you've been around FBC any amount of time that I don't really care for the term spiritual gifts. I think it speaks more about ministries. It, it really shows you the, the purpose of what God has given us in the Spirit by ministering to one another in certain ways. But if you are not plugged into the life of the church, you are missing out on being served by others and they are missing out on being served by you. And I want us to see three aspects of our life as the body of Christ this morning in this text that will help us continue to uh, do well where we are doing well and to challenge us where we need to be challenged. Three aspects of our life as the body of Christ. Number one, we are one body, but many members. We are one body, but many members. In verses 12 through 14, what Paul is doing here is expanding on his correction of the Corinthian church, who for lack of time, we'll understand, is promoting the idea that some of the roles given by the Spirit are more important than others. Some of the ministries given by the Spirit are more important than others, which Paul counters in chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. He says there, now there are a variety of gifts, or, or I would say ministries, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of service, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Notice what it says. For the common good. For the common good. And now Paul is drawing out in an illustrative manner in this text what we will look at this morning. The analogy that Paul is drawing is super clear. It is an analogy to the body. That is the human body being made up of many parts and yet functioning as a whole to get its bodily function done. His analogy is to draw our attention to the reality of the body of Christ. We are one body, yet many members. And we can, of course, say that in the universal sense. There is a universal body of Christ. Uh, We we in theology call that the invisible body of Christ, the invisible church. Uh, Those who are composing the body of Christ everywhere in the world, all at once, who are in Christ. But then we have this entity known as the visible church. And it really is in some ways a mixed entity, uh, in the sense that when we gather together, there are those who are in our midst who, uh, that are not converted. Um, I don't know all of your hearts. I don't know any of your hearts, actually. All I can see is what God has done in you and see the fruit of salvation in your life. 
But, but that even illustrates, that even highlights the reason that we need one another. But that invisible church, the trueness of the church that exists worldwide, is found locally here in covenant membership. Why covenant membership? Because there, there's the grid by which we say we recognize you as one who is in Christ and a part of this local assembly. We have to have some sort of a way to measure that and say this is who ought to be serving and who ought to be a part of this local assembly. So, so is this the uh, join our church sermon? Well, well yes. So I think that the Bible is very clear about the fact that you need to be under godly leadership. Men who have been tested and approved by the local assembly to be spiritual leaders. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders, for they will give an account for your soul. It's not an obedience in the sense of some sort of a, a cult-like obedience. No, it's submission to the Word of God by what they're preaching and how they're directing you. God raises those men up, and you need to be a part of that. You need to be a part of each other. All who are born again are one, and we, we recognize that through covenant membership here. And we encourage you to be a part of that. Absolutely. We, we, we long to shepherd you in that way. Grateful for the... You say, is this, are you preaching this because there's a membership class coming up and you're trying to make us feel guilty? No, not really. I had planned on doing this before I remembered that I have to teach a membership class this coming Saturday. But God is provident in that. And sure, you should sign up for that and come and check all of that out. But that's not the reason I did it. I did it because we need to remember this from time to time. So how is it that we are one? Look at in verse 13. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Now some of the questions that are raised here is Paul speaking of uh, you know, water baptism, physical baptism, and of the Lord's table. Possibly. I mean, at least he's drawing an allusion to that because he has spoken of the Lord's table in 1 Corinthians 11. And he speaks of the need to not have division according to those who have baptized really early on in the uh, book of, or the letter to the, to the Corinthians that he writes. It would be out of place to have true believers who were not baptized and who did not take of the Lord's table in Paul's day, just like it should be out of place for us in this day. But is Paul making a case for that here? Well, I think we can't help but draw the allusion to those things because he's mentioned them already in 1 Corinthians. But what he is talking about here is that overarching idea that when you come to faith in Christ, you are baptized in the body of Christ by the Spirit. The idea here is at least to carry the spiritual significance of that truth. Before we are ever baptized in water or given the Lord's table, we are at conversion, baptized into one spirit, into one body, and that in the same spirit from which that is the same spirit from which we all drink. This is meant to talk of the unity of those of us who are in the body of Christ. And once again, we must see this as those who are covenanted together in a local assembly. Otherwise, how do we know? of which local assembly you are a part. We see this emphasized in what Paul tells us next in this very passage. For the, mem- the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am, uh, I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would make it, not make it any less a part of the body. Right? And if the ear were to say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would make it no, any, any less part of the body. 
He emphasizes this earlier by speaking of the fact that in Christ there are no Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We are all baptized into one spirit, into one body, and made to drink of that same spirit. Not losing any of this, the distinction here. Regardless of ethnicity or status, we are one in Christ. This tells us that if we are not in Christ, united to Him in faith, we are not a true part of the body. And if that is true of you this morning, as you hear this preached, my call to you is to turn from your sin and trust in Christ's perfect life, death, and resurrection alone to be reconciled to God and to be put into the body of Christ. If it is true of you, then you are placed into the body by Him, and it is based on the grace of God alone and no merit of your own. You know, right now, um, we, we have to talk in our context, don't we? Not just in the context of this local assembly, but in the context of the country in which we live. The unfortunate reality is there's a division in our country over issues of morality, which I would say that's right for there to be those distinctive lines. And unfortunately, issues of ethnicity, which is wrong. And that highlights for us, though, that the church should look differently. As As we look at the layout of our context currently and then we gather together and we worship together and we are involved in each other's lives how much more so should the morality of God's word be an earmark a distinctive of ours and how much more so should the multi-ethnicity of the body of Christ as God allows it be an earmark of the true body of Christ the true servanthood of the body in which we ought to be unified. We as a local assembly, as much as God allows it to be, ought to look like the body of Christ worldwide in diversity, not only of skin tones, but even of differences of opinion. United in morality, certainly we cannot compromise where God does not compromise in His truth, because He is truth. But battle lines are not drawn here on truth. Where truth is spoken, we draw lines where falsehood is given. We do not draw lines in matters of diversity as well. We are all one in Christ. We all stand upon the same truth. This is the language that Paul uses. Therefore, he continues this idea of unity and yet diversity, emphasizing what he says in, again, verse 14, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. We do not... Abolish the distinctions in regard to reality. There are Jews, there are Gentiles, there are, in Paul's day at least, slaves and free. Unfortunately, slavery consists 
in our day in many places. But in regard to the university, uh, in the unity in regard to the local assembly, just as in Galatians three twenty seven and twenty eight, Paul states, "For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Therefore, there is no Jew or Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus." We're not getting rid of those distinctions. We're not saying that those do no longer exist, but we are unified in regard to who we are in Christ. Again, let me just say it. If you are not plugged into the life of the local church, you are missing out on being served by others, and they are missing out on being served by you. You must first be plugged in by way of grace through faith in Christ, and then you are made a member And by that, also, you need to be a part. You need to minister to this body and be ministered to by this body. And upon this emphasis, Paul continues to speak of these matters by stating, secondly, there is a necessity of the parts making the whole. A necessity of the parts making the whole. Look at verse 17. The whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? The whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Looking again at verse 14 as a bridge into what Paul says here, there's an emphasis on this idea that there is unity in the body, but there's also diversity in that unity. And Paul keeps flip-flopping back and forth between these two truths, one and yet many, making the one. You see that? There's one, but there's many. But without the many, you can't have the one. There is not one person who's a covenant member of this church that is more important than another when it comes to the unification of the body. I seek to de-emphasize the fact that there is typically one guy up here preaching. That's just one piece of the ministry. And quite frankly, if that's all that I'm doing, I'm missing out. You're missing out. Pastors of this church, in their spiritual roles, ought to be doing more than that. Just as you ought to be functioning in the ways that God has gifted you by the Spirit in ministry. And so we see this idea that We cannot discount parts of the body. Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. What? No, you very much belong to the body. Talk to someone who has either late onset blindness or has been blind from birth. Not sure which is worse. My roommate in college is uh, someone who is blind and has always been blind his entire life. He was born uh, that way. And um, he was, I don't think he would mind me saying, angry at God for a long time for that. But I can't imagine having sight and then losing it, knowing and trying to remember things that I no longer am able to see. I'm not sure which is worse. How valuable are the eyes to the body? And if the ear were to say, I'm not the eye, therefore I do not belong to the body. Talk to someone who is deaf. Well, that might be difficult. I'm not trying to be silly in saying that. Have someone translate for you. Carrie Rude is an ASL gal. 
She can tell you how difficult it is to communicate and what she's learned in regard to that. Paul's not making a judgment about these statements, but making a point that if the foot were an ear uh, or the ear were to say they would be any less a part of the body, then how can they function? They're not any less part of the body. The answer to this question is, is no, they must be a part. Their, their judgment of themselves is incorrect. And this is what Paul emphasizes here. The whole, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, we would, where would the sense of smell be? I had a friend in college who couldn't smell. His olfactory stuff was completely gone. So as a cruel joke, some guys took some, uh, some salmon, some smoked salmon, and rubbed it all over his room, which was horrible. But he didn't know it until somebody walked in the room and, what in the world is that smell? He got all those guys back, by the way. That friend is now with Jesus. And so when he passed away, we said he's walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, and smelling with Jesus. But where would the sense of smell be if the nose were not there? What's the point? Well, what we know about the church in Corinth is that there are those within this church who were feeling less than needed because many of them did not have the important ministries of the Spirit. That's Paul's whole point that he's trying to point out. He's trying to say, some of you feel like you're not important because you're not this or that in regard to spiritual ministry. You don't have this spiritual ministry or that spiritual ministry. And Paul's saying, all of it is important. There is not anything lacking in regard to your spiritual ministry unless you are not using it, is his point. This, in the previous verses, Paul talks about a variety of gifts the next point, Paul addresses this issue a little more. But for now, Paul is stating the fact that the reason the body is arranged the way it is is that God has done it this way. Notice again, God arranged each part of the body as He chose. This morning, I want to emphasize the need for us to see that we are members of one another and that there is a necessity for each one of you in order for there to be a whole. So earlier, Paul talks about diversity of the body in regard to Jew and Greek or slave or free. But we are all baptized into one body, many members in one body. Now he is emphasizing that whatever role we play within the body, the body would not be complete without you as a part. If you are a part, if you are one indeed who has been baptized into Christ, if you are truly a believer, there is, if you are, a necessity for you to be a part. And because it is God who has done it, your part is not, guess what, optional. We cannot wish that we were something we were not. As verse 19 says, if all were a single member, where would the body be? This, this image comes to mind, doesn't it? Just because we're, we're visual people, some of us, of a giant eye somehow maneuvering its way into the sanctuary this morning. We can't have feet, it's just an eye, right? So I don't know how that works. But where would the body be? Or a giant nose. I guess it could keep itself maybe elevated with breathing downward on its way in or something. I have a weird imagination. And I like science fiction, so it probably happened on Doctor Who at some point. But it's not optional. 
many parts, one body. There's a reality. Fellowship Bible Church is incomplete without your being plugged into it, without your ministering to others and having others minister to you. Again, this is not just about Sunday morning. This is about body life. The body cannot function rightly if it is not functioning as a whole only one time per week. Are we, exercise, are we seeking to exercise the grace that God has given us in a particular way toward the body of Christ in this local assembly? Again, I'll say it. If you're not plugged into the life of this local church, you are missing out on being served by others and they are missing out on being served by you. What does this look like? Well, it can look like serving in Sunday school as a teacher or as an, a helper. But it can also look like attending Sunday school or equip hour, as we say, for the adults. It, it could be that you are engaging your children into the Awana ministry or that maybe you're serving in that ministry. It could be that there are a number of empty slots on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night that need to be filled, and you're seeking to fill that slot. But I recognize it well. It could be this, that in your mind you're thinking, I'm too old. I'm past my usefulness for God to be able to use me in this body. For some of you, that is true. Not trying to pick on anybody and saying that. It's just that the energy is not there anymore. It's a reality of growing older. I'm not saying what older is. You can make that determination yourself. But you know what godly saints do to show care for one another? They pray for one another. They spend time praying and reaching out and saying, hey, I want you to know that I have prayed for you today. And, and that may be something off of the prayer list. That may be going through our neat online uh, directory and just breaking it up, you know, A through D, D on Mondays, you know, E through G on Tuesdays. And we have such ability today to reach out to people. If you don't like talking on the phone, you could just type them an email. Do people check emails anymore? <laughs> you could check an email. You could text them or however you want to interact with them and just let them know, hey, I, I've been praying for you today. And give them specific things you've been praying for. It's, it's wonderful for us to, to do supplication prayers and to say, you know, uh, please be with so-and-so as they're struggling through cancer. Amen. Yes, we ought to be praying for that. But you know what else is great, Lord? If your will is that you would bring them into your kingdom by way of cancer, that today they would know your presence, that today they would know that you are using this to conform them to the image of Christ, pray that as well. Maybe you're thinking, my family is too young. I can't get involved in these particular ministries because my family is too young. We're, we're constrained by toddlers and these kinds of things. Can I, can I encourage you to think outside the box a little bit? We had to make the conscious decision. I mean, I've been in full-time ministry for 
over 22 years now, <clears throat> my oldest is 20. If, if, if we just said we got to wrap it up here and not do ministry during the toddler years, I would have been out of ministry. So that's your job. That's how you're paid, right? Well, we had to make a conscious decision, though, to have our kids with us in those situations. Now, certainly there are times where that did not work out. But many, many, many times um, our kids were there. You can ask Greg Fulner in our youth ministry days. My kids were around. And our youth ministry kids loved it. Um, they were just there. They were just a part of it. God has you where he wants you in your time of life. With the constraints that you may or may not have. By the way, uh, for young families, homebound folks absolutely love kids. Many of them hardly ever get to be around children. It's a wonderful opportunity for you to serve and to brighten their day and to enlighten their hearts a little bit because many of them are not around even people younger as you are. This whole concept of the necessity of the parts making the whole is highlighted as Paul moves on to our third point. The care of the body is dependent, is dependent on the parts. It's not optional. As the body, we need each other. Look at verses 21 through 25. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we, we bestow great honor. And, on, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has composed the body, giving it greater honor to the part that lacked it. There may be, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Listen, if you reject someone, you are rejecting a part of who you are as a member of the body of Christ. It's as if you're saying, hand, get away from me, if you reject someone who you are a covenant member with in this church. If you are rejecting someone who is a part of the body of Christ, you're rejecting someone who is a part of you. I've said it many times and I'll say it many more. There's a danger in transferring our American rugged individualism into the church. God does not call us to be rogue Christians. It just is an unbiblical concept. And, in my opinion, it is a damnable concept. It is something by which you can even enter into church discipline if you are so rogue from being attached to a body. We prayed for those who were unrepentant sinners who have gone out from our midst this morning, who have been under church discipline. Very much need to pray that they would repent and come back. But until that time, Jesus tells us in Matthew 18 that they are to be treated as a a Gentile and a tax collector. That doesn't mean reject them outright. It means give them the gospel because they need to repent and believe. To say you have no need of the other members of any local assembly, much less or much more, I should say, this local assembly, is to deny a part of the whole. 
Paul describes the parts of the body in four, category, four categories here. He says the weaker, the less honorable, the unpresentable, and the presentable. And what does he say about them? The weaker parts are indispensable. The less honorable parts are bestowed with great honor. The unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, and the presentable parts do not require the same modesty. Think about this. The weaker parts, by themselves, what are toes? You know? That pinky toe gets it all the time, doesn't it? If, if your house is, is like mine. All the time. Right? But if you stub your pinky toe and it feels like you've broken it clean off of your body, what happens? You're like limping around, right? Because you need that pinky toe to help support you. And also when you stub that pinky toe and it feels like it's broken clean off of your, off of your body, what else happens? The rest of your body isn't like, oh... That felt like cotton. You're like, ow! That hurts. It feels like it got clean broken off of my body. Right? Your whole body reacts to that. It's a point that Paul makes here in a minute. The whole body suffers together. But it's weaker in a sense, you know? It's just that tiny little, you know, piggy that went wee-wee-wee all the way home. It's weaker, right? To the less honorable parts, we are bestowed with, they are bestowed with greater honor, right? Less honorable, in my case, as S. Lewis Johnson says, is the belly. Make sure to cover that thing up. You don't want to see that. Nobody wants to see that except for my wife. That's, that's less honorable, right? So we cover it up with greater honor. The unpresentable parts, you understand what that means. We treat that with greater modesty. The presentable parts don't require as much modesty. Now, Paul is not trying to distinguish here what part are you and what part aren't you, okay? He's using the body as an illustration to say that all of it is important. He's not saying this for us to start figuring out what part he's talking about. It's for us to maintain these distinctions in our mind. To understand what he says next in verse 24. But God has composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. It is God who has made these things the way they are. So that though there is a diversity in role, there is an equality in essence. This is not to cause division. It is actually a reason for us to unite. And that's what he's speaking of here. It enhances the unity because the body cares for one another. If each member is fulfilling their role, then the less honorable will feel honored. The weaker parts will feel as if they are indispensable. The body functioning together properly causes unity, not dysfunction and division. I mean, there are some of you that without you, I could not be up here doing what I'm doing. Just like for some of you, others of you are necessary for you to be doing what you're doing in ministry with one another. This is emphasizing what Paul says next. There's no division in the body, but the members have 
The same care for one another, verse 25. Now to verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Suffering together. Yes, certainly. Knowing that someone in our midst is suffering through something so very hard and difficult. But let's be honest. There are, just, there are some things we're just not going to put on the prayer chain, right? There are just some things that intimate relationships within the church, serving one another, being involved in each other's lives, reveals. One of the reasons we have small groups is for that. For people to feel safe. Now, we should all feel safe with each other, but I get it. Just isn't the way it is. We emphasize this in our, in our small group ministry. That the struggles, the suffering of life can be safely put out there in that situation. And they're going to be prayed for and cared for, etc. Would that the whole church would be that way? Yes, amen. Let's get to that point. Let's get to that kind of transparency. But what do we want to see? We want to see the body suffering together well. We want to see the body rejoicing together. You know, if you see someone honored, does that strike jealousy in you or, or, or rejoicing for them in your heart? If the body is functioning rightly, when one suffers, all suffer together. And when it is honored, they all rejoice together. Why? Because it is not just one part that is suffering. It's the body suffering together. It's not just one part getting honored. The whole body rejoices in the honor because they are all a part of it. Is there a level of uncomfortability in this kind of transparency? You better believe it. Think about the early church, Acts 2. The end there, it says, uh, All had the same together, and as each had need... Those with more would sell off to help those who are in need. Well, how humbling is it to come and say, I have need? But how awesome is it that the church would say, No problem, we got this covered. I was uh, told this story before, I'm sure, you know, our church in St. Louis, there's a single mom who uh, was in need of ongoing help. And besides that, her entire air conditioning unit went out. And before the elders could even decide what to do, three or five families got together and it was covered. It was totally taken care of. How did they know that it needed to be taken care of? Well, this single mom humbly just said, this is what I'm going through and The Lord took care of that. We are to be one body. Paul does not stray from this. He highlights it again in verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ, individually members of it. There it is again. You are the body of Christ. And not just this. You are individually members of it. Can I say it again? If you're not plugged into the body of Christ and the life of the local church, you're missing out on being served by others and they're missing out on being served by you. What does this mean for us? The first question we might ask is, are you a part of the body of Christ? Both 
universal, which would also mean that you would need to become a part of a local assembly as well. The big question is, are you one who has been placed in the body of Christ by repentance and faith? Are you one who has turned from your sin and trusted in Christ's life, death, and resurrection alone to be united to him, therefore united to the body universal, and then, as a further step, united to a local assembly? If you have not, I would encourage you this morning to come and see Pastor Steve at the end of our time. He would love to share with you what it means to be united to Christ and therefore united to his body. If you claim to be a member of the body of Christ and you have committed yourself to this local assembly, my question to you is in what way are you exercising your God-given ministries in this community? It may not be something that is visible. In fact, some of you are really uncomfortable with that, and that's okay. If you're wondering how you can do that, we're not going to say, oh, you know, teach a Sunday school class. You, You may be completely uncomfortable with that. There are plenty of things Plenty of things. I don't want to say it that way. There's plenty of people who need to be served in ways that have nothing to do with structured, ongoing ministry in the sense of a, of a program. It may just be, what if so-and-so need somebody to visit them every other week? Would you be willing to do that? You say, I don't know what ministry God has gifted me with spiritually. Serve. serve. Just jump in. With both. You, you, you might really mess it up. You know? We'll let you know. And we'll point you in another direction. I mean, we all function in one way or another in regard to the body, right? Serve one another. Get into each other's lives. Love one another. Do menial things. I know of men who have served as VPs in Fortune 500 companies that clean toilets on churches in the, on the weekend. Serve. Serve. Are we putting on display what it truly means to be diverse and yet unified? Look across the congregation. What skin tones do you see? What stages of life do you see? Do we look like what eternity will look like? Listen to Revelation 5, 9, and 10. And they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and your blood was uh, by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Our neighborhoods are made up of this. Our city is made up of this. Are we seeking to bring God's good news to those who don't look like us and and don't dress like us and many don't believe what we believe? Let's look different, not for the sake of different alone, but for the sake of the glory of God and the gospel. If you're not plugged in, you're missing out on serving others and missing out on others serving you. And we need to be equipped for this task. It can't just be a Sunday morning sermon. We need to be equipped for this task. We need to be, we have this thing called equip hour. That's why we call it that. Be equipped for the work of ministry. We have other means, Bible studies and these kinds of things that you should be taking advantage of to be equipped to serve.
the body of Christ. Would you pray with me? Lord, it is by your grace alone that we are put into the body of Christ. We cannot do anything to earn that. Christ has earned it all. And by his grace, we are made believers. We are made part of the family of God. We are adopted. We are transformed by grace and mercy by faith and through grace, by being baptized into the body. And yet, Lord, we are made not just individually born again, though we are. We are that plus placed into the body of Christ. And that is seen and represented in in, in a local assembly. And, And we believe here that that is best understood in covenant membership. And then that is best expressed as we covenant together in serving one another and being equipped to serve one another. Lord, I pray that you would be working in hearts this morning. Continue to work in my heart, I pray, in regard to this. And Lord, I I pray last of all for those who do not know you, that they would come to know you this morning through the gospel that has been preached. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.